We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Hi, I'm Catherine Zock. Welcome to the show. I am your social worker with the microphone on voiceamerica.com, voiceamerica.com. Women joining me this morning is Lauren Beller, my co-host, who is president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, which you can take from the comfort of your own home or office. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am good. Still recovering from a... Um, interesting travels from uh, New York to Austin, but I'm um, on the upswing finally. I know. I have to tell everybody, Lauren, I got an email from you saying, I am so exhausted. <laughs> 36 hours at an airport with the baby. Uh, I wondered how long it was going to take for you to get to realize that, you know what, it's not a piece of cake traveling with, with, with a, uh, well, with kids, with a baby. It took You were 36 hours in an airport. I went to Australia, and it took me less time to get there from New York to Australia than it did for you to get where? To Texas to, to I could have driven it. I could have driven it. So what happened? I mean, you're a new mom. Share this because everybody likes, you know, misery likes company. Um, <laughs> well, you're the one everybody it's looks just, at. It was a crazy thing. It's, um, it's, it, it was silly. Our, you know, it was blue skies and sunny, so who would think anything else that it would be fine? But the planes weren't flying because it was so hot in the Northeast that thunderstorms kept causing... Um, connections, flights not to be able to leave, so Newark got totally closed. Newark so, airport okay, closed. Okay, so what happened with, this, with the baby? You know, oh, the baby. one and a half old, you're stuck in the airport, <laughs> 36 hours, what'd you do, well, how'd you handle you it, to, give us some advice. First you have to know that you need to have enough diapers on hand and enough food on hand for a child. Right. You know, there's only so many bananas to eat in an airport, you know, right. and especially if you're thoughtful about, you know, not giving her sugar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we what had, happened? Did you have enough food and did you have enough diapers? We had diapers. to go out and get them. So we had to go get them because we were expecting to be home. I had four diapers on me, you know. Well, that doesn't last for 36 hours. So the worst part was, the you know, the red-eye home. They kept saying, you know, you'll be home by midnight. Then, you know, oh, maybe you'll have to sleep over in a hotel. It was just craziness. So did she so, cry? Was she crying, screaming, running? She was running? such an angel. And, of course, you know, I had to keep up with her because there was, you know, moments of, you know, 18-month-olds that turn into a 2-year-old and have a temper tantrum on the floor throw themselves down because they're so tired they can't, you know, see straight. So she had a couple of those throughout the, throughout the time, but she did great overall. And what, how do you respond when that happens? You know, because it happens to all mothers. Oh, it time. does. Do you it get embarrassed? Do. No, I re- I'm like, you know, it's part of the deal. Isn't it part of it? I don't know. It is. I, well, um, so I just sort of, I let her, I noticed that if I just let her, carry it through for the next, you know, it's feel, 30 seconds feels like three hours, you know, but if you just let them do it, all of a sudden she stands up and she's, okay, now what? Because, <laughs> you know? like, if you're fighting them, it gets into this kind of gridlock kind of thing, and you're total, not going to win. They're yeah, going to win. Yeah, total power so, struggle. Yeah, it's this power struggle thing. When we were coming back, and everybody, I've been talking about it all week on the radio, but we went to Australia, as you know. And we went to Sydney, Melbourne, and Tasmania. Most people say, where is Tasmania? Right. Tasmania is a state in Australia, but it's an island, one of the ten most beautiful islands in the world. It was just Barry and I. He, no temper tamper tantrums from him. Oh, good for so you. We, yeah, we were sitting and drinking and eating and kind of a different kind of a trip, but I've been through what you 
have been through, but it's all worth it in the end, as I said in my email. But anyway, so we're coming back from Tasmania, and it's about 6 o'clock in the morning, taking a flight from Tasmania to Sydney so we can fly Sydney back to L.A. and then JFK. And right in front of me, and I thought of you, is a young mother. Uh, not that you're so young, but... And, and <laughs> Thanks for had, telling everybody. I know. She had this little baby, this toddler... Right when we were, you know, you're supposed, you give the, t- you give your um, boarding pass. Uh huh. This little girl, adorable. She sat down. She started screaming, and she would not move. Oh And no. I can see the mother is like breaking out in a sweat, and she's holding all this stuff in her hands, and she's trying to get the baby moving. It took about two or three minutes, and you know, not one of the passengers complained. Everybody just smiled, and and you know, very understanding. Not all that. That doesn't happen all the time. But I did think of you. Finally, she got her on the plane, and. Uh, Actually, fortunately, she wasn't sitting near us as she was <laughs> screaming. But that was oh okay. my god! Yeah, but we saw lots of that because everybody travels now with their kids, um, you know. And it's a good, uh, I think it's great. It's important to travel with them. They get to know the ropes of traveling and you know what how it works. And I think it's a good thing. No, I do too. Uh, look, I traveled with my three boys. Although I learned a lesson traveling with three little kids, and this is this is a lesson for our uh, women on Voice America, our listeners, because. I attempted to go from New York to Florida once with three little boys under the age of six <laughs> and changed planes in Atlanta, and it was a big mistake. I had a nine-month-old who cried the entire way from Atlanta to Florida. Oh, man. Bless you. No one wanted to sit beside me. The other two started acting up, the older brothers, four and six. I gave them a look like, this is survival boys, and they kind of knew that they had to be quiet because it was just... Uh, I was I was hysterical crying by the end of the trip. <laughs> you know, bring somebody with you. Bring a high school girl. That's my advice. Bring somebody who can kind of relieve you. I mean, I don't. You, it, oh, I had my husband with me. <laughs> did husband relieve you? I mean, uh, oh no, he did. We took turns with her and calmed her down. He was actually the one that could calm her down, and then he'd calm her down to get to the place where she could fall asleep and hand her back to me when she, you know, to fall asleep. So it was a good tag team. Yeah, all right, so then it worked. You didn't need the babysitter. You know who I read on the show today is Delta Burke. Um, to, well, we've got two guests. We have Delta Burke, and we have she is going to be talking about living with diabetes. And she's one of my favorites, I, Designing Women. Um, I used to watch that all the time. She was uh, Suzanne Sugarbaker on Designing Women. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and she, uh, of course, since I'm menopausal and I'm up all night with uh uh, insomnia. I also watch all the reruns, so I've sent. I've probably seen all the shows at least ten times, maybe more. And our other guest before Delta is uh, this is interesting. Yucking it up, the new definition of funny that men and women have different sense, uh, a different kind, different sense of humor. Definitely, which, don't I can't you? wait to have that. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I mean, I find that. I mean, that's why you like to go out with your girlfriends, don't you? Like to just sometimes and you laugh about stuff that men or your partner are they're never going to laugh about it's so true it's we have i think we have very different sense of humor yeah i do too i don't know where that comes from times whether it's kind of we're hardwired for it or oh, i think it's totally hardwired i look at what boys laugh at and what girls laugh at at little eight you know like 18 months old i'm like oh my god totally different yeah all right so tell us the difference 18 months they're going to talk about grown-ups and what but like little boys laugh at things that there's a little bit more of an edge to there, like making fun of people and then laughing. I definitely, think. I agree with you. And girls are more, um, you know, Sierra does silly things. She'll turn my head and you know push my head away and then wait for my my. I pretend my neck creaks back. Totally cracks <laughs> her up. You know, 
See, and a boy is, you know, I don't think a boy would laugh at that, but she just thinks that's the funniest thing since sliced bread. Funniest, I mean, so funny. She thinks yeah. it's funny. Great, yeah. great. Uh, not since sliced bread. Funniest thing since, well, whatever. Yeah, well, um, well, Yeah, so I do think it's really different. You know, yeah. I think a boy will, you know, kick or push or, you know, shove, and that's funny. You know, Physical. I think, there's a, yeah, there's, there's there's a, a, more, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. There's sort of a physicality to the stuff that they laugh at. And uh, they did a major research study. This is American Greeting Cards because they, they do, there's a section of uh, the company that does humorous cards. So they have to, they be, really began to examine the gender differences. So, so that should, it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say. So whatever you want to do, ask them whatever you want to ask them. But I thought that was a, an interesting topic. Um, they, I don't think they go into the ch- – I'm not sure they talk about children, but it's really uh, about adults. Anyway, so you're back. So what are you doing? You didn't ask me anything about my trip. Can you imagine? I we I were halfway hear about around your the- trip. Yeah, yeah, you were halfway around the world. It's, like, amazing. We were halfway around the world, and everybody says, what was your favorite part of the trip? What did you like the best? Well, it's really difficult. We went to very different cities. We went to – we broke up the trip by going to Kauai, Hawaii, which is the in-island to go to. Oh, I didn't know that you did that. That was your in-between spot. Yes, that was our in-between spot. How nice for you. It was great. And as I've since learned, the celebrities go there, and a lot of them have houses and all that. And um, it's kind of uh, 10 years behind Honolulu. So, you you know, it hasn't been built up. It will be. You can see that it's beginning to be, you know, they're selling two or three-acre lots and stuff. But it is just Gorgeous. We took a helicopter ride into the mountains, and they're, they're in Kauai, Hawaii, it is the wettest place. There's, the, there's a spot in the middle of the island that's the wettest place in the world. It gets, and I can't remember how much rainfall, but this humongous amount of rainfall. So we go up in this helicopter, and it just brings us right up to the side of the mountain. It's it's where they filmed Jurassic Park. Oh, cool. Six of us. Have you been in? The, have you ever been in a helicopter? I have. No, I've been in a tiny plane. You know, yeah. a two- and four-person plane. Yeah, which is different. Because it is different. It is. A helicopter, I think, if something goes wrong, it just kind of clunks, falls out. Because <laughs> there's no, and there's no glide. Yeah. And they play this new-age music while you're up there. So I guess if anything happens, you'll go down in a blaze of glory. But it was gorgeous. It was just beautiful. And uh, and then we went to Sydney, which is the city you would love. You have to go. And I'll tell you why. Because if anybody knows Lauren you are I mean you are so athletic you are good shape eat well you know you're out there sports that's what Sydney is like it's the kind of city where they have 25 yard swimming pools all over the city so at lunchtime Lauren people actually swim there are aquatic centers and then they have like a little healthy bistro meal and go back to work see I would love that yeah I would love that so because Sydney Harbor is the second largest natural harbor this is your travel log this morning uh, uh, second largest natural harbor in the world. So everything centers around sailing and boating and swimming. And Love that. I didn't oh. know that. Now, did you swim? No, I didn't swim because, you know, I wanted to see so much. We went to the you know, the Sydney Opera House, which is so famous, which you see the pictures of when they had the 2000 Olympics. And if you, you go online, you can see it. Um, it's just an incredible place. And if you... Do swim, then that's half the day. And there was just so many other things to do, like go to wine country. And, um, you know, we went to the, uh, well, we sat outside and ate a lot of shell, a lot of oh, fish, like just fresh fish. Absolutely delicious. Oh, I mean, nice. Yeah. Beautiful, sophisticated city, no air pollution because they are a green country. Echo. 
Echo Green or whatever. Very nice. We yeah. should all take some lessons from Australia, huh? Yeah, we need to. I guess I started out, the point was we got two minutes before we go to break, but when people say, what's your favorite spot, Melbourne, Sydney, Tasmania, couldn't really say. All I can say is being halfway around the country, as far away as we could be from the United States, I obviously they speak English, so it makes it comfortable. I felt so comfortable, so at home. I mean, the cities are beautiful, the people. Um, it was a, and once you get there, it's 18 hours from New York to... That's a long, that's a yeah. halfway around the, the world. Yeah. But once you get there, it's great. you feel great. You feel so comfortable. It was wonderful. It was really great. Anyway, we've got to take a break. Lauren Beller with Catherine Zox on VoiceAmerica.com. Women, I'm your social worker with a microphone. And uh, coming up in this hour is Yucking It Up, the new definition of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home. And when Mary started building her house, I want to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the doors to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-loving women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Show. If you can't call mom, call Chat with Women. Real advice for real life from real women. And they keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat with Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zock. Welcome back with and uh, Lauren Beller and Catherine Zock on VoiceAmerica.com Women. 
and joining me this morning. This is really a lot of fun and hopefully humorous. We'll have a good time. Are Rochelle Lulo, Senior Program Director of Humorous Cards at American Greetings, and Pat Sandy, Program Director of Humorous Card Planning at American Greetings. That's American Greetings Card. Here to talk about the new definition of funny and how the role of humor differs greatly between men and women. Hey, we do. I know that. How are you this morning? Uh, unfortunately, Catherine, we are still waiting to have them on the line. They are oh, so who am they I talking to? Just finishing up their last interview, and they just patched me straight through to you. Oh, so uh, so tell me who I'm talking to. <laughs> oh, I. <laughs> my name is Shelley. Oh, you're Shelley. Okay, we thought Shelley was Rochelle. I got well, it. Actually, okay. Shelley Rochelle does go by Shelley as well. Yeah, because uh, my board op said, well, we've got Shelley, but uh, all right, so you. <laughs> Well, talk to me. Lauren, do we have any questions? But, you know, this will be the pre-interview, uh, the pre I guess. Yeah, so they're on another show. Get them off. Get them on our show. We haven't got them in much time. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, exactly. All right, humorous. Women and men, the difference between men. We were t- Actually, Lauren and I were talking up before we took the break. Even little kids, even boys and girls, uh, have a different sense of humor, and we decided it's kind of something that's hardwired. It's not even environmental, although it may be a combination of both. Because um, Lauren has so. How old is Sierra? Um, she is 17 months old. 17 months old, and she and her little friends. You can even tell the difference between the uh, little boys and little girls in terms of what they laugh at. It's so true, yeah. and I it's I see it, you know, I see it between my husband and I. We have very different. Do you see that, Catherine, between you and Barry? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I also noticed you put the you put a group of men and women in a room, and what happens within twenty minutes? All the women are together, and all the men are together, and they're laughing at they're laughing at two totally separate things. You know? Exactly. Isn't that why you like to go off with your girlfriends, like on a let's say take a trip once in a while with them, go away for a weekend, go out for dinner, because it's a very different experience. I mean, I'll be with my girlfriends, and I will laugh till I cry. It's so true. But Barry it's does different. not laugh till he cries. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a man thing to do, right? It's so not. It doesn't happen that often, that's for sure. Although I have to say, um, Rob was laughing till we were laughing this past week. At, we were in Rochester, and he was laughing till he was crying the other day. I was so I'm like, this is the first time I've seen this in you know two years, three years, two. Yeah, it's crazy. I said, Rob, I've never seen you laugh so hard. And he was laughing at his mother, which I thought was like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I understand that. <laughs> yeah, my boys laugh at me. Yeah, I don't know if that's not. If they're, that's they laugh different. At, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, he was laughing at his mother. He was, yeah. I mean, at something she said. And I'm like, that's not funny. She, that, she didn't mean anything funny by that. But then I got laughing because he was laughing so hard. Yeah, what about your mother-in-law and you're laughing at her? Did she well, like that? she was amazing. She, I said, you know, yeah. so, right, right in front of her, I said, I think that you owe her a policy. She says, no, I'm glad I could get him to laugh that hard. I was like, well, that's a, such a good mother. <laughs> well, I think one of the things in the research, though, uh, that they found at American Greetings was that men tend to laugh at others while women are more c- comfortable laughing with, with others. With others. I, would I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Which I, think women, yes, I think that we also laugh like in support of one another and support, I mean, my friends and I laugh at things that, we, that each of us have done, like embarrassing things that we each have experienced, but we're, la- we're not laughing at them. We're laughing like, oh, my God, poor you. How embarrassing, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. All right. You know, the other thing is I think that men, they are – there's a whole macho thing associated with it. You know, we can kind of make fun of ourselves, too, and, you know, like let's say if we've had a bad hair day or we've – gained weight or whatever. Or we had toilet paper stuck to our shoe when we walked out of the bathroom. Yes. Have you yeah. had that happen? 
Uh, I've had worse happen that we're not going to talk about on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> have you had your? Have you had your? And actually, uh, have you ever had your like your your uh, your dress stuck in your pantyhose kind of thing when you walk out of the bathroom? And, yeah, that and would be me. That would be me. Me too. I've had. Have you happen. had that happen too? Yes, I've oh. had that happen, and then but nobody ever said anything about it. Oh, I had it happen, and I walked down a whole hallway and into a room where I was. Thank God, not speaking. I was a participant, but I went down to the front of the room, so the whole room saw my butt. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've got a good butt. Uh, <laughs> you're in shape. You're good looking. You know. No, I. But the other thing about that is, I find that people don't tell you. If if that happens, who's going to come up and tell you it will be a woman, not a man? Yeah, always. Right? Oh, the yeah. men just stood and stared at was I kept thinking to myself, what is the matter with you? Why are you staring at me? And, of course, it was an older woman that came up to me and said, honey, honey, you've got your dress stuck in your panties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I can laugh at it. Just years ago this happened, and I still say it's my most embarrassing moment. I've had a couple others since then, but they're just not the same. And I can tell the story, and women will laugh, and I know they're laughing because they're laughing out of... They're identifying. They're identifying, and they're laughing out of compassion. But when when men hear the story, they laugh out of, I wish I was there to see that, you know, kind of obnoxious thing. Yeah, exactly. So different in what we we laugh at. Would you tell a guy if he comes out of the bathroom and he hasn't zipped his pants up? His fly? Would you say something? You know, I I don't. I mean, I want to, but I don't. I, I mean, I. It would I, have to be worse than that for me to yeah. say something. You know, ah, so it flies down. You know, I was actually at a bar, not to reset. I wasn't drinking. I was having seltzer water and juice, but um, <laughs> I had to get up the next morning. Um, anyway, I was at this bar, and this man, his husband and wife, bartending, and um, I didn't notice that his fly was down, and but his wife noticed, and. She she told him, but not in front of us. And he obviously scooted quickly away, and we all realized later what it was because he came back right away with his fly back up, and someone in our group realized that his fly was down right before that. So that was really funny. He was it was funny how his wife um, didn't embarrass him in front of uh, you know anybody, but dealt with it, had it taken care of, and we were all laughing really hard afterwards, thinking, oh, that was really it was funny. <laughs> well, okay, speaking of funny, I think our guests are ready. They finish with the other show on to our show Rochelle Lulo Senior Program Director of Humorous Cards at American Greetings and Pat Sandy Program Director of Humorous Card Planning at American Greetings Difference Between Men and Women and Humor and How They Communicate Welcome to the show ladies Thank you. Okay, uh, thanks. thanks so much. He, my he my voice suddenly a, lowered. He took that in a good way. <laughs> oh, Pat, it's a man. It is, it is indeed a man. You're a guy. Yes. So you've got to tell us that. How would I know that you were yeah. a guy? Surprise. He just got Surprise. a very, very deep voice. Just yeah. got back from Sweden. Does that happen? That could be, that could be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, so now we have about five minutes. Let's talk fast. What did yeah. you find? What's the difference? Well, there is a big difference. We find that women actually are more inclusive and not as hurtful in their humor. They're more reality-based. They find things in everyday life extremely funny, probably funnier than anything anyone could make up. But they're also very selective about what they choose in their humor to be sure it's the right type of humor for the person that they're sending it to. Um, And I think they, they tend to really look at what's important to them and what's going to make somebody else laugh. They use it to commiserate together. They use it to form bonds. They use it to connect. They use it to share jokes. And that probably is a little bit different, not altogether different than what Pat might look at when he's looking for a funny card. All right, so Pat, what do you look at when you look for a funny well, card? Well, when I look for fun, I like a wide range of humor, but I think generally speaking, men, um, if we're going to break down the demos here, the men tend to laugh at and women tend to laugh with. 
and I think that traditionally uh, guys' sense of humor is probably a little bit more physical, a little bit more competitive. And, uh, you know, I've used the analogy, um, somebody, if there's a banana peel on the floor, somebody comes along and slips on it, guys will stand there and laugh at it. If there's a banana peel on the floor and women are standing there and somebody slips on it, the women will laugh at it, and then they'll help the person up. They yeah. want to make sure nobody got hurt. You yeah, know? that's the we, difference. You're right. But now, what about trends? Banana daiquiri, <laughs> and, you know, all is well. What about trends? Because, I mean, things do change. What's funny to one generation is not funny to the next. So you have to make, you have to always stay, I imagine, on top of the trends in terms of humor. What become, you know, what's humorous changes over, over time. Uh, well, and, yeah, I would say that tr- trends, um, they're, they're probably not as obvious in humor writing. You don't see it readily at the time when it's occurring. But if you look at it in an evolved state, you take a look at the 70s. I think back then you had Steve Martin and laughing and everything was punch and set up type of humor, very contrived type of humor. I think in this day and age in the advent of um, you know reality TV, I think a more anecdotal, authentic type of humor that um, certainly speaks to more real-life experiences has kind of dominated in recent years. I mean, you can take a look at something like The Office, which to me is a very interesting example of today's humor, but done uh, with comedic situations, real-life-based because it's about work and most people are involved in, in a work situation. But then also they use a documentary style to it. So the vehicle that they use for comedy is very true to what's going on and popular in today's culture. Yeah, and what about somebody like Borat? Now that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's he, almost too real. It's too real. I have to lie. I think he's very. I think he's very funny. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah but so oh, help us out. Okay, so give us an example, like in terms of like cards. Like you go into the store, you want to buy a card. Difference between a card, let's say a humorous card for I'm going to be celebrating. I shouldn't even say this on the air, but I am going to tell you. My 60th birthday. Somebody goes to buy a 60th birthday card for me as opposed to my partner, and he, you know, he's a 60th birthday card for a man. What's the difference? I I think, well, I think men, you know, when guys send cards to each other on a birthday, it likely is going to probably be physical humor, maybe making jokes about wrinkles or gray hair. I think uh, women's take on that type of milestone would would maybe touch on that briefly, but would probably lean into real life things like maybe having coffee together. Shopping, your career, that type of stuff. Or things that are happening. Yeah, to see. I didn't want to say it, but you, you did. can say it. We're, we're on the net. You can say what you want. <laughs> but the, I, was I actually, heard that. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, I was exactly thinking the same thing. It has to do with you know if you want to call it you know body parts expiring on us here or things taking you know gravity taking gravity. its toll. And, but we would make a joke about that together, and I would send you something um, that would just be a shared joke about that that you and I both could relate to. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say to you, look, you're getting old and, and all those other things that might be a little more hurtful because that's not in, I think, my nature or the feminine nature overall. But I might say something that you and I can relate to and we can both laugh at about getting older. Yeah, and I think we'll show, and I think that women have a, a real uh, an ability. We laugh at our, we can laugh at ourselves. We can laugh about the sagging breasts and the wrinkles and the, you know, those kinds of things. I think men, it's kind of, a, you see it as a kind of an attack on their masculinity. What do you think, Pat? I'm not very happy with my sag. <laughs> so, you know, get off the sagging breast thing. Mine are killing me. No, I think, I think, I agree. I think, you know, we've had a gag for years or a joke in one of our card lines that had a, a, the sagging breast thing where the, the joke was, did you ever get the feeling that the warranty on your parts expired and everything's kind of cracking and popping? And, you know, I, I think that women certainly are able to kid each other about that. I think if a guy started kidding about the warranty or parts expiring, the guys, they, they, they would get too personal, you know. That's why I think panel humor, we do panel cartoons, that type of thing, 
That's that kind of stuff is probably more appealing to men because it doesn't really have a me to you feel to it. Uh, when you say panel, you know, what do you mean? Uh, single panel cartoons, um, far side type things, you know. Um, that's that's a, what I would call a third party type of humor setup. And another way that we do that to that third party note, and Pat just gave it in that example, is it talks about did you ever notice that the warranty on our parts are expiring or have expired? So it's inclusive, you see, of you and me enjoying that joke together. Yeah. I'm yeah. not talking about you and saying, you know, you're the only one that's going through it, but boy, I know what it is, and we both share it. And that's very much the same way uh, the point of a panel cartoon or something that's got a third person. It's a little bit of distance. It's not pointed directly at you. It's about us. Yeah, great. Rochelle, we have to say goodbye, both of you. And Pat, Pat is yeah. a man. Uh, Rochelle, yeah. Lula, and <laughs> Pat, very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day. Keep on you laughing. Too. American Greeting Cards, great. Thanks for being on the show this Thanks. morning. Thanks for having us. See ya. Yeah, 30 minutes past the hour. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com. Women, coming up next, Delta Burke. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-loving women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you can't call mom, call Chat with Women. Real advice for real life from real women. And they keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat with Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, and you are listening to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com, Voice America Women. And joining me this morning is Delta Burke to talk about living with diabetes, type 2 diabetes, 
as many of us know, or maybe you don't, is increasingly common and accounts for most of the 20 million Americans with the disease. The family history is not the only risk factor. Lifestyle habits, such as physical inactivity and diet, play a part in prevention and treatment. And also, uh, the United Nations has recently adopted a resolution recognizing diabetes as a threatening global epidemic. And this is the first time ever that a non-infectious disease has been singled out by the UN. So here to talk about successfully managing her type 2 diabetes and with her educator, her diabetes, certified diabetes educator is Virginia Valentine and Delta Burke. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah, you're one of my favorites. I'm sure everybody says it, but I have to, uh, I have to acknowledge the fact I've seen, uh, you know, uh, Suzanne Sugarbaker. I've seen every show at least ten, maybe even twenty times. I have to tell you, so <laughs> love it. Well, love thank you. Yeah, you're great. All right, so this is a really serious problem, and I guess, as I understand it, Delta. I mean, it's it's the problem is getting worse, not better. Right. It's an it's an epidemic in in this country. 20 million Americans. Now, you were diagnosed, what, at age 41, so you've been living with the disease for, what, 10 years? Uh, I was like 40, and I know I was borderline for several years before then. It took a long time to get diagnosed. I knew something was wrong with me, um, and I kept going to doctor to doctor until someone finally did the, you know, the the proper test, and that's how I discovered I had it. Well, you said you felt like you you weren't feeling well for a long time. Like, well, how, how did you feel? I mean, and why wasn't it something that was easy to diagnose? I mean, you know, I always thought, well, you just get a test and that's it. They would know. What kind of symptoms did you have? I just was extremely tired, uh, very fatigued. Um, I I was on the road a lot, but uh, you know, I I just knew something wasn't wasn't right. And uh, I kept seeing different doctors, and they would just say, oh, it's uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And I said, you know, no, no, it's not that. I know it's something else. And finally one of the doctors did the right test, and that's how I discovered it. I just had to persevere with finding the right doctor. Well, you struggled, Delta, with your weight. Now, is this related to your family history or your weight, and at that time had you gained a lot of weight? Because I knew at one point you had gained a lot of weight, but now that you've, you've lost, also lost most of it. Well, uh, I always had a weight issue, and my family has too. And uh, I also found out later that my biological father, his mother had diabetes, which I didn't realize. So combined with you know, having it in the family and then uh, putting on all the weight, I, you know, there I was, diabetic. Do you find that, that you know, because type 2 diabetes, let's say, as opposed to type 1 diabetes, and I'm not sure about this, I'll have to ask Virginia, um, is related to lifestyle and weight and those kinds of things, that do you find that, that People, you become a victim. They blame you for your disease. Does that ever come up? Well, if you, you know, if you were really thin, or if you really, uh, you know, ate well and exercised, then you wouldn't have type two diabetes. Well, you know, I hear a lot of different things. You know, they certainly, if I had paid more attention uh, when I was borderline, I could have really worked on losing the weight and uh, exercising more 
and perhaps could have prevented it from happening. You know, uh, that's why anybody I know today who's borderline, I tell them, please just get on the stick right now. You know, maybe you can avoid actually becoming diabetic. Yeah. Um, Virginia, I, my question is, um, can you reverse the the disease? In other words, if you do like what Delta is saying, let's say you're just borderline or pre-diabetic, can you actually prevent it yourself from getting the disease or, or um, you know, uh, actually if you are diagnosed and you do the right kinds of things in terms of lifestyle that you can, uh, I don't know, get rid of it? Well, actually there has been some really good studies, a huge big study done in the United States a few years back that showed uh, people with that pre-diabetes borderline area condition uh, who lost an average of about 15 pounds and exercised 30 minutes a day, five days a week, were 60% less likely to progress on to diabetes. Now, did we prevent it forever? Maybe, but for sure we delayed it, and so um, that is true. That, that uh, it, That's why Delta does so uh, fervently discuss with people, look, uh, wake up now. Let's do something about it now. Uh, there's a, a possibility that we could actually delay, uh, maybe even prevent, and definitely when I get people into my office who are newly diagnosed and they're just, you know, just in that early diabetes stage, and I do tell them, hey, let's turn back the clock. Let's, you know, let's get really on the stick and, and lose some weight and uh, really get into the exercise and see if we can't turn back the clock a little. What about the difference between type 2 diabetes, and I don't want to get into a whole medical thing, but people get confused. Type 2 di- diabetes, type 1 diabetes, what's the difference? Very simple. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. So your your immune system wakes up one morning and says, Guy, I hate those little cells that make insulin and kills them off. So you are going to require insulin for life. The person with type 2 diabetes has a condition called insulin resistance. It's probably the part we inherited and uh, so that we don't use our own insulin very well. So we have to make more insulin. Uh, to compensate, which helps us store more of our fat, which makes us more resistant, which makes us make more insulin. Eventually, we go into pancreatic poop out, which is the technical term for it, and then we end up with high blood sugars. So, in a way, the weight is part of the problem, and the problem helps you gain weight. So, Delta, on a day-to-day basis, how do you, and I think the key word here is manage, you, you manage your diabetes. How do you do it? I mean, you're busy, you're on the road, you, you know, it's difficult, I, I would imagine, to get the, the exercise in, yes. to eat right. So how do you do it? Well, after a while, I, I learned how to listen to my body better. And I could feel if I was a little low and you know, do what I needed to do, and the same if it was a little too high. Um, I test myself about four times a day. Uh, I do my uh, Bietta shots twice a day f- before my big meals because this kept me from spiking like I used to do up and down, you know, really dramatically, which is terrible for you. And it has helped me to maintain regular 
blood sugar levels for the past two years. So that's been fabulous. Um, I usually have to have uh, little snacks that I carry with me. Uh, you know, trail mix I'll have with me and candy, you know, uh, in case I should crash. And, and you have to be prepared. I mean, you have to be organized, too, I would say. Right. Too, if you're going to manage, you can't just, you, you really have, depending on what you're doing and where you're going. And is it Yeah, like that? and yeah. Uh, like when I was doing Steel Magnolias on Broadway, I was on the set the entire time on my feet. I never left. So what I would do is I had uh, uh, glasses of orange juice placed all over the set, and uh, I would drink that to help me to, you know, keep the blood sugar good because uh, it, during the show it takes so much out of you that by the end of it you're very, very low. So you learn how to manage it. What's the response of other people? Now, you're Delta Burke. You're famous. People are going to have more, I would assume, understanding of you and, 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 your, and your disease. But, you know, the average person or even a younger person embarrassed that they have to do the kinds of things that you describe. You know, you talk about having orange juice all over the stage. It kind of makes you stand out. It makes you visible. It's, you know, I'm, you know that I have a problem. I mean, that has to be difficult to handle for many people. Um, I'm used to it now. It, it doesn't bother me. I I test my blood sugar in front of people, um, you know, on the set. I take my shots at the dinner table. I'll I, I'm just very open about it, um, which people start to get used to, you know, and and they're not as um, uh, I don't know. Intimidated not shocked by, by it. it, yeah. Well, I think what you're doing in terms of this campaign and going across the country and, and, and talking about your disease and uh, it, it demystifies it for people. So I think you know, which is a good thing. So that you know, the more knowledge people have. So if you are sitting with somebody at dinner, like you said, uh, and you're testing yourself, your dinner guests aren't going to be shocked. Um, so you've got to get yeah. the word out. Yeah, yeah. yeah people are just accepting it more and more now. And I don't worry about, gee, I've got to go off to the bathroom and hide and do this. Yeah. And it's I think it's become uh, a part of my life, and it's very open. What about your husband? Understanding, um, you do need support, I think, from family and friends when you go through something like this. So when I've you got are going, the best husband in the world. He takes such good care of me. Um, he, and the handsomest husband. Oh, he's so was, wonderful. Yeah, keep away you from know, me. I had a big crush on him. He'll fix the right kind of meals for me, um, and my mother lives with us, so she'll do it too. It's I mainly go high protein, low carb. Um, I do like to have my fruit. Um, well, you've got the support. I mean, you've got your mother, you've got your husband. We have to take a short break. When we come back, I'd like Delta um, to talk specifically in Virginia about the about Bietic because you brought that up and not everyone knows what it is and how effective it has been for you, for Delta. You're listening to Catherine Zox, 44 minutes past the hour, the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone, and we're at voiceamerica.com, Voice America Women. Talk 
talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio, Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of Youthful Aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and welcome Welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain with Dr. Norm Shealy. And discover for yourself the secret of the fountain. Are you willing to be taught? And invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel. Winning with Wellness, where beauty meets health, with Dr. Vidushi Babber, is a place where women can share their health and beauty tips and learn that wellness means having a positive self-image. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of top radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. You are listening to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamerica.com, voiceamerica.com women. And joining me this morning is Delta Burke, stage screen and film actress with Virginia Valentine. She's a certified diabetes educator, and we've been talking about the Bietta Let's Talk campaign, Living with Diabetes. Um, and, Delta, before we took the break, you did you brought Bietta, which is a medication that you've been taking, you said, for a couple of years now, and how helpful that has been, and this is all part of the campaign. Exactly, and, and I, I failed to mention, Virginia, you also have diabetes. You also manage your diabetes, so you are both a professional and also you suffer from the disease yourself. Do we have Virginia on? I'm not, I can't, well, I have to tell my board off. I don't know if I'm on or uh, are they on. Let's see. Lauren, are you on? Do I have anybody on the show? <laughs> I can't hear anything. I am VoiceAmerica.com woman. I'm Catherine Zox. This is the Catherine Zox Show, and we have been talking to Delta Burke about managing her diabetes. Um, Ruben, are you there? We don't have. I have no sound right now. This is what happened. This is radio. All right. Uh, I'm Catherine Zox, and oh, you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com women. We've been talking to Delta Burke stage, screen, and film actress, and Virginia Valentine. She's a certified diabetes educator, living with diabetes. 
and they are on the Bietta Let's Talk campaign. Bietta is a medication uh, that one can take when managing their di- diabetes. And I think, Delta, before we took the break, you mentioned the medication, but we really didn't talk about how you use that in terms of diabetes management. Um, and, Virginia, you are not only a certified diabetes educator, but you have diabetes yourself. Yes. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. You're kind of like oh, in great. the distance. Great. Okay. Good yeah. enough. All right. So tell. But you do. You also suffer from diabetes, right? Yes. Yes. I don't ever think of myself as suffering from diabetes. Yeah, that's I, so. I'm uh, living with it. I've had it 28 years. I have no complications. And uh, like Delta said, you just build in the management into your daily life. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because suffer is a bad word. Suffer really. It's, it's the negative side, and it's sort of saying that you're the victim, and it doesn't place you in the, in the positive and control. So, yeah, not suffering, managing. So what about Bietta? What does, you know, this is a new drug, as I understand it, to help manage well, diabetes. Yeah, it's been on the market over two years, and um, it's a wonderful new um, way of uh, managing. What they've done is uh, created this medication that mimics one of our natural gut hormones, that us diabetics are about two quarts low on, and so we um, need to uh, uh, replace it, and uh, the uh, Bieta mimics that effect. It uh, improves your insulin function, it improves your blood sugars after meals, and uh, it makes you feel less hungry, uh, and so you feel full and you eat less, and so most people lose weight. That's the part Delta and I both really enjoyed. And, so losing uh, weight. How much weight did you lose? I've lost me? The, both yeah. of you. I, I'm, I'm a big yeah. I'm, yeah. I was asking Virginia, but Delta. How much weight did you lose? Oh gosh, I got up to 215 pounds, and I'm now down to 150. And how tall and are you? It took a very long time. It was a very slow process. I was diagnosed uh, with the diabetes. The same month my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I took my medication but mainly focused on my mother. And then the doctor told me uh, like a year later, if, if you don't really get on the stick, you're going to be on insulin, which I was very afraid of. So I got very strict with my diet um, and lost 20 pounds. And then it would show, you know, better numbers. Every time I could lose more weight, it showed uh, better numbers. So I just, you know, continue with that, even though it's very, very slow losing it. But I have to say that uh, Bietta has helped me to lose about 20 more pounds. Um, when I take it uh, and about 20 minutes later I eat, it, it's like you don't have as much of an appetite. You don't eat as much as normal. So, in other words, it gives you that sensation of feeling a little bit full, or not? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, Catherine, you kind of commented on that feeling of being in control, and that's the thing that I know I felt and Delta felt, and most of my patients describe is finally now I can control and decide to eat healthy. Instead of feeling kind of out of control, uh, eating too much and overeating when they didn't want to. 
Yeah, I think that whole issue of control is so important in terms of the eating, like you say, of managing your disease. You have to feel like you're in the driver's seat because I think when you feel out of control, that's when things kind of become chaotic and berserk and you, you, you don't take care of yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Like I would like to be able to exercise more, but I hate exercise. <laughs> so and, what uh, kind of exercise do you do, and who likes to exercise? You know, it's well, like- you know, some people love it, but I have always loathed it. So, the, what I do is a lot of walking, and my husband and I are about to start dance classes because that doesn't feel like exercise, you know, and. Yet it gets the heart rate going, and I'm, you know, being very active. Um, I've been down here uh, having a little vacation in Sanibel Island. I've been much more active uh, on the beach, swimming, uh, out every day doing things, and my blood sugar has been so much lower. So I, I really can see the difference. Yeah, which is great. You could measure the results. Uh, for me, that's always, you know, I feel like if I'm doing something good for my body and then, like you say, you can measure your blood sugar, then you know you've yeah. been doing the right thing. Yeah, and dancing and swimming, not going to, see, I can't do, like going to the gym, that's painful because it's just focusing on the exercise. But like you say, um, if you pick something you like to do that involves exercise and it's fun, of course, you're doing it with your husband, which is nice, so you tend to do it. Don't you have to be, you have to structure it, though. How often do you, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to take dancing classes or I'm going to swim three, four times a week. How much do you have to do to maintain, you know, to um, see well, the results? Well, you know, it's kind of strange because our schedules are weird. Uh, I'm on the road a lot and so is he. Uh, when we're in town, we're able to do it a couple of times a week and we do the walks every day. What about stress? How does that impact on, on diabetes? Oh, I think it makes a big difference. Most of my patients tell me that they see their blood sugars go up, but mostly what I see with stress is that it takes your focus away from your self-management kind of things, the, the, the exercise and the kind of paying attention. Just like how Delta described the stress of her mother's uh, diagnosis of breast cancer took her focus away, and I think that's the biggest impact of stress. Wouldn't you agree, Delta? What? I can't hardly hear you. No, she wanted to, like, when you were under stress with your mother's breast cancer, that it took the focus away from yourself and managing your disease. Instead, you're focusing on her, in this case, your mother's breast cancer, and that sort of, that's not helpful for you to manage your, yourself because you're focusing exactly, yeah, exactly. on somebody else. You really, you really have to learn to listen to your body, um, which I hadn't done before. Now I can really tell if I'm, going too low and test to make sure and do something about it and I can tell if I'm going, you know, up a little but I have to say that, you know, I've it stabilized me a lot, this medication. It's been like a miracle drug to me. Uh, I was very fortunate that when it first came out, I had a doctor who, who mentioned it to me and said I'd be a good candidate. So uh, I've began to use it and it's it's just it's worked so wonderfully for me so when I heard about this campaign I, I figured I, I've got to get out there because I, re, I really believe in this and you know people aren't aware of it it's not there's no commercials about it 
um, you know. Because I tell people, what do you have to do? You have to get to the right doctor. Let's say, you know, somebody's listening right now and saying, well, maybe I'd be a candidate for that medication. What do they do? Uh, is, is there a website they can go to? Or yeah, they, well, part of what this campaign is, you know, by Etta Let's Talk, uh, is to help educate yourself. Go on the web. There is a website. I think it's VietaLet'sTalk.com. And, uh, you know, learn what you can there. You know, we need to go into the doctors with a list of questions. And that's what I do now. And I make sure he answers every question. So I really know what I'm dealing with. And before, you used to go to the doctor, you know, and doctor was God. And you listened to what he said. And you just did that. You didn't think about things. We do need to educate ourselves more and and take a more active part in our uh, maintenance and recovery. So who's the doctor we would go to first? Let's say you suspect maybe that you're not feeling well like you described, just not right. I mean, who, what, what, who's the physician? What's your primary care physician? Is that who you go to initially? Absolutely. That's, you start with your primary care doc. Ask them about diabetes. Ask them about whether you should be screened. It's actually very simple just to do a morning blood sugar, uh, and it's in, actually included in some of the general labs, uh, to see if your blood sugars are elevated. Uh, ask to see a diabetes educator if you've been diagnosed with diabetes uh, to help you learn to manage it with your lifestyle. So what about the cost, Virginia, in terms of how, is it expensive to take the test or is it covered by insurance? That's not an issue? It's so covered. All the insurance companies would love to help you find out that you have diabetes. There are 54 million people who have pre-diabetes in the United States today. I hear the music. We have to say goodbye. It has been great talking to you both. You've been very helpful. Lots of good information. Go Thank to you so much for Thank helping you. us spread the news. Thank you, Delta. Delta Burke and Virginia Valentine, Living with Diabetes. You've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox on VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Women. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zoff Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.